Welcome to Market Week in Review for the week ending February 12th, 2021. I'm Sophie Antel-Gibert, and I'm joined today by our senior investment strategist, Paul Eidelman. Good morning, Paul. Hi, Sophie. Good morning. How are you? Very good. Thank you. It's a pleasure to see you. Yep, you too. I'm excited um, to have an opportunity to catch up with you this morning and pick your brain on three areas in particular that have sort of been making headlines this week. Um, The first one is all around Powell's speech and also the U.S. inflation data that came out this week, Um, understanding what what are some of the perspectives that you think are coming out of that in terms of outlook for inflation um, and also interest rate Fed policy. Um, Second, looking at Q4 earnings season that is underway globally now, and what are some of the themes that you're seeing and also market reaction to um, those announcements? And then lastly, President Biden of the U.S. and President Xi of China recently had their first diplomatic conversation. And so I'd love to get any insights from you on what you're hearing from that and what potential implications could be for that important U.S.-China relationship. Sound good? Yeah, it does. So starting with the first topic, Paul, maybe could you touch on Fed Chairman Powell gave a speech this week. What is the outlook for Fed policy and for inflation in the U.S.? Yeah, so I think um, Powell's speech this week wasn't particularly surprising, but it was still very important because even though we've had a really substantial and impressive recovery in the United States so far, uh, his speech was about as dovish as it could have been, saying that um, even with that substantial progress, the Fed is a long way from its goals, particularly on the labor market. He was citing millions of Americans that are either unemployed or have left uh, the labor force for uh, personal reasons. And I think all of that guidance seemed to point towards a Fed that wants to stay as accommodative as possible for as long as possible. And when you kind of think about their new policy framework, it's one where really good economic growth like we've had alone is insufficient for the Fed to budge from zero interest rates. Uh, they'd obviously like a, a stronger economy and a stronger labor market. But really, the, today, the, the, the pivotal factor is what happens with U.S. inflation. And um, the Fed wants to see that the actual inflation numbers move up considerably towards 2% and start to threaten uh, their 2% target. And this week, the uh, core inflation data, the core inflation data that came out was uh, a negative surprise. It was weak again. Uh, it's been undershooting uh, the Fed's objective since the, the COVID crisis. And even though it's one data point which can be noisy, I think it kind of reinforces the idea, given that emphasis on inflation right now, that uh, the Fed's likely to be on hold here for a considerable period of time. And with our outlook, even with strong growth, I think 2021 should be an environment where inflation is still uh, unproblematic. And typically when you have good economic performance with the Fed being accommodative and on the sidelines, that's typically been a, a sort of favorable environment for risky markets like uh, stocks. So I think that kind of jives with our central scenario for 2021. Terrific. Yeah, that, that is. I mean, sort of the, the weak inflation has been a challenge um, for, for a while now. Um, speaking of your outlook um, and, and sort of central scenario, how are the numbers that we're seeing right now in terms of Q4 earnings reports playing into that? Are they in line with what your expectations were or where are you sort of seeing some watch points? 
I think they've been um, really outstanding globally, frankly. Um, if, if you kind of start in the United States where we have the most data right now, around 85% of S&P 500 companies have beat expectations. That's an impressive number on a standalone basis. But when you kind of go the next layer down it, the magnitude at which they're beating consensus has been one of the most impressive earnings quarters in a very long time. Back when uh, the numbers started rolling in several weeks ago, analysts were looking for a 9% earnings contraction for the S&P 500. Today, with uh, over uh, half of companies reported, around 70% of companies reported, that expectation is now at plus 3%. So there's been a, a 12 percentage point improvement from minus 9 to plus 3, which is one of the biggest sort of uh, upgrades um, that I've seen in, a, in an earnings season in a very long time. That's really impressive, Paul. Wow. Yeah. How does it look outside of the U.S.? Are some of those unique U.S. sort of reference points, or are we seeing similar sort of adaptation capability outside of the U.S. as well? I think it's broadly been a common theme globally. In Europe, the numbers aren't quite as big, but they kind of never are. So it, it matters in terms of your benchmarking. We're seeing over 70% of European companies beat. And again, um, by a very wide margin, sort of some of the best performance uh, in about a decade for European earnings. Uh, and in Japan, the numbers look similar with sort of two thirds to 70% of Japanese businesses beating on earnings. So I think it's really actually been a pretty impressive quarter globally for uh, fundamental performance, which is really encouraging. Yeah, that that's incredibly encouraging. I guess that's that's one of the benefits potentially of setting low expectations and putting the bar low. It makes it a little bit easier to clear, but it is unusual to see a 12-point delta like that. That's uh, on the upside, that's a great one. Speaking of uh, speaking of expectations, uh, President Biden and President Xi just had their first uh, call together and and meeting. What does that mean for the market outlook? And obviously, these are two very large countries that have a tremendous amount of influence on global geopolitics. Um, what What is your read of, of the outcome of that first meeting? Well, I think there's been a baseline expectation in the market that U.S.-China tensions are more likely than not to ratchet down a little bit under the Biden administration versus the Trump administration. and um, that's not saying a lot, just given the, the multiple waves of, of trade war uh, that we saw over the last several years. But um, there's still a number of, I think, simmering issues between the United States and, and China that on a secular basis look pretty challenging. And when you kind of dig through the reporting around this first very important diplomatic call between the, the two presidents, it looked like a, a pretty uncomfortable uh, conversation where Biden was kind of calling out China's unfair um, economic practices. He was calling out their assertive behavior. And so I think um, this geopolitical risk, even though it's um, not as important as the really strong economic recovery that we're looking for, for from vaccines, et cetera, it's still an important um, downside risk that we need to think about as prices become more and more elevated. It's one of kind of the few things that seems like a reasonable uh, downside tail risk that we need to monitor. So it, by no measure is an escalation of tensions our baseline, but 
I think the call this week does still kind of point to tensions remaining and, and something that we're going to need to keep an eye on as investors. Great. Well, thank you, Paul. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today, but I want to thank you for your insights. It's always great to hear from you. Yeah, thanks. And thank you for joining us. We'll see you again soon. <laughs>